0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Tell me
1: what you need. You know I got
0: it. This is the Rich Eisen Show.
1: I'll tell you what, man. Got to have it all the time
0: Can't live without it. Uh, uh. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles.
1: I'm not talking to you. I talk to anybody out there, the haters.
0: The Rich Eisen Show. With guest host Kirk Morrison. And
1: he is one of the all-time friggin' greats.
0: Earlier on the show, NFL Network Insider Ian Rapoport. From the Houston Chronicle, Aaron Wilson. Coming up. Senior writer for Sports Illustrated. Chris Mannix, and now sitting in for Rich, it's Kirk Morrison.
2: It's the Rich Eisen show. I'm Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich. Um, Rich on vacation. I'll be back what Monday, I believe. So I know yeah, he's much back. needed. Much needed time to rest, relax a little bit. Um, and I'm glad to always be in with my guys, Brockman, Del Tufo, TJ over there, yeah, hanging out over on
0: the, the putting stuff. green. You know, I
2: man, good to see y'all. Seriously, I, I yeah. really do. I'm it's glad. to a while. To see you. I was yeah. trying to think.
0: When was the last time you were you were through um, this
2: way? It was probably right before the uh, the, Sometime the end 19th, of the right? pandemic, yeah. right? I mean, the start of the pandemic. Right, I should right, say, right. Um, you man. know, being here with the whole crew, and like I guess I always feel like a, it's it's home when I'm here at the uh, Rich Eisen show. You guys always treat me great, and I get excited, you know. The night before, I'm always like, "Man, okay, what are we gonna talk about? What, you know, what should I do?" And this is that, and like, as soon as I get here, it's just like. I wish we had like a barbecue grill going. <laughs> Where there you <we> go. <laughs> you know, we'll get a barbecue grill going. That would be the Get oh, party, pal! <laughs> you know, a couple of adult beverages and things like that. But uh, We need uh, one of those sponsors. Uh, all yeah. good. But yeah, you know what? Let's go to line one, too, though. We've had some callers in two. Eight yeah, let's do it. 44204 four Rich, 844204 four 7424. Four. Let's go to line one. Yeah,
0: Kirk, it's Shane in Boulder wants to talk some uh, Chicago sports with you. Shane, what's happening?
2: What's up, Shane? Hey, how's it going, Kurt? How's it going,
3: fellas?
0: Hey,
3: hey man, Shane? What, do you what you got, you got Hey, all I gotta say is Bulls Nation is back,
2: baby. <laughs> as a ten seed, but go ahead.
3: <laughs> as a as
2: a what? As a ten seed, man. Right now, you guys are tenth in the uh, what, tenth in the uh, Eastern Conference. But it's all good. No, you good. Hey,
3: li- listen, listen. <laughs> Usevich is a double digit rebounder. We haven't had that since kim Noah. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be huge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, other so that's the, that's the basketball
2: side. What about the football side? You said you were just No, that, no I got
3: football too. So on the other end, um <laughs> Ted Phillips, president of the Bears organization at the end of the season said, We're in this business to be a business right. for sure. You lost my business, brother, from what you've done this off season. Guess what? Wow. Robert Kraft won sue so many Super Bowls. After what he's done this offseason, he says he's in this business to not be a business. He's in this business to win, baby. (laughs) baby. Oh, when Bears games are on, my TV's off. When Patriots games are on, my TV's on. You could thank Ted Phillips for that one, Bears. Mm.
2: Well, I guess I appreciate the phone call, Shane. Uh, um. yeah that's a little bit different speak, there. speak
0: to the Bears though is, yeah. does, he, does he have a right to? Bears fans should, be, should they be worried how did you see their offseason Andy Dalton comes yeah. in I'm always the failed worried. coup
2: at Russell Wilson okay so if I'm thinking about free agency right and I'm thinking about where I want to go why would Chicago be my destination honestly and this is because you've got a lame duck coach and Matt Nagy you got a lame duck general manager and Ryan Pace. And why I call him lame duck is because they were told they're coming back, but you know, this, this is a one year situation. So it's almost as if, and I remember I had a coach telling me, he said, Sometimes you don't want to go to a place where the boat's already sinking, right? Why would you jump on board a boat that's already kind of going down? Mm-hmm. Because they got to save their butts. They got to figure out how do we win right now and right away. And you look at that roster right now, currently, yeah, people forget they did make the playoffs last year. They did. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, like right. it's, it's not like they were a, a bad, bad team and they were down there at the bottom of the NFC. They were
0: 5-1 at the start of the year. They actually were
2: of the seven best records in the NFC out of 16. It's not, not terribly bad, but they want to see more results. And so where do those results come from? Where would the decisions be made? And at the end of the day, who is going to be in it for themselves and not in it for the team? That's what happens. Because sometimes you get finger pointing, and this is one year. So does Matt Nagy say, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out my way? And now Ryan Pace, who's the general manager, well, we're going to go out with these
0: players. right?
2: And so that, to me, is sort of where I don't believe in the Chicago Bears because of that dynamic. Because a lot has to happen for them in order to get them to become one of those upper echelon teams of the NFC because they don't have the signal caller because of the drafting of Mitch Trubisky. Look, Mitch Trubisky at the beginning, was he overdrafted? Yes. I think it was Mitch Trubisky, was he available later in the draft possibly? Yes, he could have been. I don't know if people were dra- I mean trading up to get Mitch Trubisky, especially we see the other quarterbacks were drafted after him. But right. still, they blew that. That alone is something that is almost kind of you can't get from underneath. All right? You can't get from out of that. That, is, that. That's who you are. So
0: then how does Ryan Pace still have his job? <sighs> yeah. That, that, that's – Because when I you take know. a big thing like the Bears did on a quarterback, you trade up to get the guy. Correct. And now that guy is not on your team anymore. He's now a backup in Buffalo. Yeah. Then how does the guy who made the decision <laughs> still have decision-making – Capabilities with your organization
2: because they did still go to the playoffs in his what two of, what three or four seasons, for Trubisky, it's not like they didn't make the playoffs. They right. made the playoffs a couple of times, and then also they had a guy by the name of Khalil Mack as well. Oh right, he yeah, made yeah, for yeah. that trade. Right. So they, so he's made some moves, but the most important move is the quarterback. You get that move right, then people, are tend to be a little little lenient with you. Yeah, you know they're like okay, he's okay. But this one is a little bit different because they went all in on Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, and it failed. It, and it failed. It failed miserably.
0: And your wide receiver's unhappy. Uh, you had to let go of your you know, all-pro safety. Like, it just hasn't gone well. Ryan Leaf sat in yesterday and said that he doesn't really put the blame really on Mitch. The team around Mitch was terrible. Yeah, but they still went
2: to the playoffs, though. They went to the playoffs. I mean, they were a but bad. But they're one and done. Yeah, but they were a bad. I mean, they were the, a double doink away from advancing in the playoffs, getting to a divisional round. Like, there are some things. Like, what if Trubisky did get to the division round, you know, and I believe was. Who missed that kick? Was it. I can't think
0: of his name. Cody right? Parkey. Yeah. Parkey. It was Parkey. We just was, call him Doink Doink. In these doink, doink Doink yeah. Doink. Yeah. doink yeah. Around these I
2: players. thought it was Parkey or not because <laughs> I saw he got released or he got signed the other day. I forgot who I'm like, he's still kicking for the Browns, I believe. But anyway, he. You know, the double doink, and all of a sudden, Trubisky's starting a divisional game, divisional round game. And, I mean, I I saw him make plays, and I saw him not make plays. He made Pro Bowls. But still, I think you still get a little bit of a pass. I think the hard part is that the guys who were just drafted after him. Yeah. If there was quarterbacks drafted after him that didn't really pan out, it's one thing. We're talking about Watson. We're talking about Mahomes. And you're like, at yeah, Two wait, top five guys. We We passed up on those two guys and got this and now it's like that investment that you have at the end of the day you have nothing left like that investment is dried up is gone so you wasted all that draft capital to trade with the 49ers to get
0: up to number two to get Mr. Trubisky, wasn't worth it yeah now the quarterbacks they are left with going into 2021 fine guys yeah you know Super Bowl <laughs> MVP Nick Foles and now Andy Dalton that the social media team at the Bears have declared as QB1.
2: Man, man, man. When they found out they weren't getting Russell Wilson, because, look, they tried to make a a pull at. I think that was Ryan Pace and and Matt Nagy realizing, look, this is our last year. If we don't get this thing right, we are done. So I see why you give up, well, it is like two or three first-round picks, a couple of starters, and yet Seattle said that's not good enough for us because they need that kind of player. They need that next – because these quarterbacks on the roster still – they're just holdovers. They're still not quarterbacks for the future, right? Mm. Let's go back to the phone lines, too. we got another phone call.
0: Come yeah, Anthony you. in Las Vegas wants to talk some Raiders with you, Kirk. Oh, Anthony, man. what's happening?
3: Kirk, what's going on? Brockman, Del Tufo. Hey. Hey, what's going on? What's up? Hey, uh, what's up, man? Kirk, I just have a question for you. So, uh, you know, uh, when you first started as your rookie and stuff like that, you know, we were talking about, like, in the previous hour with, like, you know, Mamadi Asamoah and SAP and all those stories that you could tell. Not a lot of people really remember this guy or whatever, but in two thousand five, the uh, Sacks leader, Derek Burgess. If you can maybe uh, share a little bit of a story about, like, you know, how how he um, he went about his day, and you know, obviously how he worked as an athlete, and uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you.
2: Yeah. So two thousand five, Derek Burgess. I believe I believe he made the Pro Bowl that year. I want to say um, I, you got to give me the number of sacks. I just remember um, at the end of the season, I was in a limo with him. And we were heading to an event, I believe. Derek Burgess, 16 sacks. Yeah, he had 16 sacks in the Pro Bowl 2005. Big year. He was a big free agent signing coming off, I mean, coming from the Philadelphia Eagles. He had just started against the Patriots in Super Bowl, uh, I forget what number it was, but in Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah. And so Burgess came over. And so I didn't really know much about him. I just knew that when it was time, to go play, Burgess was a guy who when you ask me who a guy who practiced yep. and then went out there, he was that guy. He would take his practice reps, he would just go out there and ball and didn't say nothing. I think he went to Ole Miss and he just He was one of those dudes that like, when you see him, like you didn't want to mess with him. Like he, he had that 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 dad look. You know what I mean? <laughs> like well, that stern. That stern <laughs> yeah, like yeah. He didn't have to say anything. He spoke with his eyes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, nobody yeah. messed with Burgess. Burgess was that dude, man, one of my great teammates as well that I played with. But he was – I mean, he – watching – I, I wish fans could see how athletic some of these defensive linemen are, especially defensive ends. And I know you guys have been to practices before, and you always see the hula hoop, right, those big giant hoops. Yep. And people will say, what the hoops for? What are the hoops for? The hoops are, how fast can you run the hoop? And there are just certain guys who have this natural ability to bend and literally their shoulder can graze the grass as they're running full speed. Mm -hmm. I hope that visual works for a lot of people, but Uh, to be able to run in a circle with yet your body leaning toward the ground to where your shoulder can almost touch. Like, that's what the great pass rushers are able to do. He was one of those guys that was able to do that, right? J.J. Watt's able to have a good dip, right? It's all about the dip. Von Miller, I mean, he's just a freak. Yeah, Dwight Franey. I mean, Dwight Franey was another guy that did, yes. These guys can run faster in all, in a hoop than some of the, some of them can do straight forward, like in a straight line. So, man, Derek Burge, that was another teammate of mine. I loved playing with him, too. He was a fast, just tenacious guy. and. Um. Yeah, man. Just it's it's those types of players that, like I said, sometimes I didn't play on those Super Bowl teams, those playoff teams, but I was around guys who were who gave me so much with knowledge time, yeah, and wisdom, yeah. how to play. And yet, you know what? That's what it was. Burgess did leave me with one thing, and I always I use it a lot because my first game, in 2005, we lost to the Patriots. Our first game, week one in Foxborough. And I remember I, again, sorry, it's been a theme of today, but I remember I was in the locker room and I was crying, right? <laughs> I was like, I'm upset because in the NFL, you put so much work into it, right? You yeah. put, I mean, it is a week-long grind, and you have to pass that test one day a week. And you don't pass the test, you get upset. And I remember I was upset, I was crying, I'm up, whatever. And Burgess came in the locker room, and I want to say, he like kind of slapped me on my leg and said, boy, what you crying for? You can't cry over spilled milk. That milk gone. Let's go get some new milk. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And that's when I realized what the NFL was about. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't cry over the spilled milk. That milk is done. It's gone. Now go out and go get some more milk. And that's where I realized, hey, every week, that milk sometimes may spill. But that's the the part where you have to go out and keep getting the new milk. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you're talking about, hey, you never made the playoffs in your career. I, I want to know what went wrong in Oakland, but is it as easy as saying you just didn't have that quarterback when you were there? Yeah, quarterback.
2: And that's that's what it
0: comes down I mean, to. And I'm looking at some of the names. We know how you played with Jamarcus Russell, too, yeah. but Kerry Collins, Andrew Walter, Dante Culpepper, Pepper. Jamarcus Russell, all guys. Aaron Brooks. Yeah. Marcus Tuyas Sopo, Charlie Fry. <laughs> you
2: remember that name? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Golly, I I can just name off names. I mean, my, one of my buddy, Bruce Gretkowski, I remember he started a couple games.
0: And you had left the team before Carson Palmer came yeah. Over,
2: yeah. right? When, before Carson came there, But that's how I know how important that position is. Like, when you have that position solidified, you can build around the rest of the team. Like, there's just certain guys that regardless – this is what I always say, the mark of a franchise quarterback, is when a guy that no matter what happens, bad special teams, bad defensively – he can still make you right. Like guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Mack, those guys can make Drew Brees, they can make you right even when so much is going wrong. And that's what franchise quarterbacks are about. When it comes to the NBA though, fellas, like it's there's certain players who can make you right regardless yeah. of who you have on the team. And coming up next, we'll talk to Chris Mannix because there's been some trades going down in the NBA. We're about 45 minutes away from the end of the trade deadline. We'll see if there's any moves that can make some of these teams whole and be viable contenders for the NBA Finals. Chris Maddox coming up next here on the Rich Eisen Show. Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich.
1: This
2: is the Rich Eisen Show. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Kirk Morrison here filling in for Rich, Brockman, Del Tufo, TJ all with me as well. And look, a big day in the NBA. It's trade deadline day. we got about less than 40 minutes before the trade deadline will have been done. It's completed. And what you got is what you got. And obviously there's secondary buyout market stuff, and that's... I'll leave that up to Chris Mannix, who uh, joins me right now on Twitter at si Chris Mannix. He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated, also the host of the Crossover podcast. And Chris, uh, so far, any surprises so far as we head to the deadline for the trade for the trade deadline?
3: Um, I think Chicago's aggressive move mm. to get Nikola Vucevic was something of a surprise. Uh, Vucevic was available with Orlando, as we can see the magic are kind of now going all in on a teardown, but the asking price was believed to be pretty high. It was pretty high. I mean, the bulls gave up our real assets to get Vucevic away, but they believe that having a 30 year old all-star in Vucevic, a mid twenties all-star in Zach Levine, Mm -hmm. that that was a pretty good foundation to build on. Uh, Other than that, you knew Evan Fournier was going to move. You knew Aaron Gordon was going to move. And now, as we kind of sit here, it's it's just sort of waiting on Kyle Lowry at this point. And, you know, the Raptors are committed to dealing him in the next 40 minutes. Uh, you saw them make the move that sent Norman Powell to Portland. That's a pretty strong indication of, of their direction. Um, whether it is, I believe, just the, the Heat and Lakers are the two teams that are are currently bidding, uh, one of those two teams, I believe, will get Kyle Lowry.
2: What do you think is the compensation for a Kyle Lowry? Because we know the Lakers and uh, you know a lot of other teams don't necessarily have first-round picks, so what could the compensation be
0: for a Kyle Lowry?
3: Well, neither the Lakers or Heat have first-round picks they can deal. Uh, Miami could get creative a little bit and go to Oklahoma City to try to have some of the protections that are on picks they've traded them in the past lifted uh but you know draft compensation is not going to be the centerpiece of this deal it's going to be young players and both Mm -hmm. the heat and lakers have young pieces to offer the lakers will include dennis schroeder in a a deal for kyle lowry schroeder is having another excellent season after being i think he was runner up for six man of the year last year um so that's a piece but the 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 Raptors are going to hold out. I mean, you know, Talon Horton-Tucker is the jewel of this Lakers young group, Mm -hmm. and that's someone I believe the Raptors want to get their hands on. And in Miami, while the Heat are willing to deal Duncan Robinson, they are not at this point willing to deal Tyler Hero because, in part, Hero is still on that rookie contract. It's a manageable salary, and he's really good. He hasn't had the type of season this year that we saw him have in the bubble but you're still talking about a 19, 20-year-old guard who can shoot the basketball, and that's not someone that the Heat are looking to part with. So it's a game of cat and mouse that could could break any second.
2: He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated. He's Chris Mannix, also the host of the Crossover Podcast. Um, We're watching kind of the Denver Nuggets make a couple moves today, right? They add uh, JaVale McGee, they add Aaron Gordon, and now you look at this team. Are they really big-time contenders now in the Western Conference? Have they caught sort of the Utah Jazz, the Lakers, the Clippers?
3: Well, I think they've improved significantly. Um, You know, McGee was a nice, small deal. They lost Mason Plumlee in free agency last year and didn't really replace him. So now you get a guy who they're familiar with in Denver, played there a few years or some years back now, uh, and he's got championship experience. So, you know, that's a good guy to have. Coming off your bench, and the Gordon deal makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, he's a versatile guy; can play three, four. Probably best fit as a four-man right now, who can you know play alongside Michael uh, Michael Porter or you know, replace him in different lineups. Look, the Nuggets—they saw what they were. They were a team that was good, but not good enough to win a championship this year, which is why they pushed their chips to the middle of the table, put a first-round pick in that package that included Gary Harris, and got that deal done. Uh, and now, I don't know where they stand. You have to see how these guys kind of fit in first. But the Nuggets, you know, one of the part of their mindset was that this, you know, at least the Western Conference is pretty wide open right now. I mean, the Lakers, they could wind up at the play-in tournament. You know, depending on how far they fall uh, in the absence of LeBron and Anthony Davis. The Jazz are good, but they're unproven. Um, you know, the Clippers have got problems of their own. You know, there, there's a there's an opening here for any team that makes the playoffs to come out of the Western Conference, and I think the Nuggets saw that, and that's why they got aggressive at the final hours.
2: Mm, You mentioned playoffs, though, Chris, and for me, a a guy whose name is, I think, now starting to hear more and more in the rumors um, is playoff Rondo, Rajon Rondo, and I know there's some teams that are probably in play for him. Um, Where do you think or where do you see Rajon Rondo going, maybe at this trade deadline or even in the buyout market?
3: Well, there have been discussions between the Hawks and the Clippers about a Rondo deal. The Clippers have been proactive in looking for a guard to to supplement their backcourt. They've got real problems at the playmaking positions. They rank around the bottom third in the league in assists. You know, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, these are not playmakers. Uh, they're they're good in their own rights. Williams is a scorer and Beverly's defender, but they're not playmakers. They need something in that mix. They've talked about Ricky Rubio He's still available. George Hill was someone on their radar, but he was traded today to Philadelphia. And now you've got Rondo uh, currently in the mix. Uh, Rondo would be a good addition for the Clippers. We know about his playoff experience, how he steps up his game every postseason, and he's exactly what the doctor ordered, a guy that you know can just find Paul George, find Kawhi Leonard, get them easy shots, play well in transition. Uh, yeah, that would be, I think, a strong and badly needed pickup for the Clippers.
2: You know, as this trade deadline is approaching, the one thing I'm just kind of been looking at over the last couple of days is that obviously we think it's going to be an NBA Finals between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. Is there any concern with what's going on in Los Angeles right now with LeBron James? Obviously, his ankle injury, they think he'll return, which he'll be fine. But with Anthony Davis and the caution that they've had, you know, with his injury, does that make the Lakers feel like they may need to make a move or? Just kind of hope that the rest that both these guys will get, they'll be ready to go come playoff time.
3: Well, if you have a chance to add a Kyle Lowry and not give up a Horton Tucker in that deal, you've got to go at least try. I mean, Mm -hmm. Dennis Schroeder's been excellent for this team. They were 0-4 about a month ago when Schroeder was out in the health and safety protocols. His value, there's a numeric number attached to that value. So uh, I think they'd be fine standing, Pat, but... Going to get a Kyle Lowry would obviously upgrade that team. You know, I think for the Lakers, it's all about when they get AD and LeBron back and how healthy they are going into the playoffs. If, if both those guys have a month to shake the rust off and get past their injury problems, Lakers going to be fine. It doesn't really matter where they they finish the season. Home court advantage is largely meaningless this year, even if you know some fans are allowed to trickle back into most buildings. Um, and the Lakers. In LeBron's career, his teams have have won on the road. The Lakers have no reason to believe they can't do it either. So, to me, it's less about what the Lakers do now, what they do in the buyout market, as just how healthy and how sharp are LeBron and AD come playoff time.
2: Chris Mannix, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, here on the Rich Eisen Show, Kirk Morrison, and for Rich. And, you know, there was a news this week that, you know, Kyrie Irvin's going to spend a little time away, uh, personal matter won't, you know go on a road trip and then you still have the kevin durant situation they do add blake griffin we know from, from the buyout market but how are we viewing brooklyn right now is it still this process of they're still getting themselves together and don't worry everything will be fine by the playoffs or is it still are they the favorite in the east and not necessarily the 76ers who right now currently have the best spot in the in the uh, in the eastern conference
3: no, I, I think you make Brooklyn the favorite in the East. I mean, the Sixers have been out there scouring the trade market for more backcourt depth. They got George Hill. He's fine, but I'm not sure he's you know some kind of difference-making upgrade, whereas the, the Nets have just kind of sat back and said, we need to get our guys healthy, and then we need to scour the buyout market where they're going to be big players. I mean, one name to watch with the Nets over the next uh, week or so I think is going to be J.J. Redick. I mean, J.J. Redick has not played particularly well with the Pelicans. The Pelicans are going nowhere this season. Uh, I could see the Pelicans coming to an agreement with Redick for a buyout. And Redick spends his off-seasons in Brooklyn. He has a house in Brooklyn. And he would be, I think, an ideal fit with that Nets team, which uh, could use another shooter playing opposite Durant and Kyrie and and James Harden. So, uh, you know, the Nets are are not doing anything at the the trade deadline, but – they may not be done, and even if they aren't, they are done. Uh, having three snipers like Harden, Durant, and Irving, you're just going to be really tough for anybody to beat.
2: Well, I know whoever gets uh, Andre Drummond, he'll be well rested, right? He's hasn't been doing a little bit of anything. But <laughs> tell me about Andre Drummond. know what's what's it look like over the next couple of days for him?
3: Well, Drummond is eventually going to get waived or just or bought out. I mean, there's a the question I've been told about how much money Drummond's willing to give back to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I'm told not nothing at all, and that it may me delay that a little bit as they try to work that out. But he'll eventually be a free agent. Uh, you know, the, the the marquee teams are going to go after him. The Lakers, you know, I, I think they might even be able to promise him a starting role wow. uh, with that team, which I think would be appealing. to Andre Drummond. The Clippers will make a run at him. The Nets will make a run at him. Uh, the Knicks are, are, are interesting because the Knicks, from what I'm hearing, the Knicks may be willing to do more than just give Andre Drummond. Uh, rest of the season type of contract. They may be willing to offer him something with their cap flexibility that extends into next season. If the numbers right, that could become appealing to Drummond. It's a weird offseason this year where not a ton of teams have cap space, and, and even more, the teams that do aren't looking to to spend on Andre Drummond. Like Oklahoma City is not going to to chase Andre Drummond this off season. So. I, I keep one eye on the Knicks as, as far as Drummond goes. If they're willing to go into a second year at a, at a reasonable number, uh, that could be enough to entice Drummond away from one of the projected title contenders.
2: Is there any other names on that buyout market that we should be aware of? Because in, in the buyout market, you're just grabbing, grab, grabbing guys. They're more depth than anything. They're not going to change the way your roster or how you play the game, but any more depth guys that we should keep an eye out for?
3: Well, Lamarcus Aldridge is the big name that'll be out there at some point. Um, he'll get a buyout from San Antonio. I- I've been told Miami is in a strong position there. Uh, you know, Phoenix would be a team to watch with Aldridge as well. He almost signed there back in 2015, and uh, that's a team obviously on the rise that could use him. But I, I think with the way Miami is made up, um, you know, Aldridge could step in there and I think have a big role with that team, whether it's backing up Bam Adebayo, playing alongside him. Um, I I think Miami's in a good position for LaMarcus Aldridge. Senior
2: writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, joining the Rich Eisen Show. Kirk Morrison here filling in for Rich. Kind of get your opinion on this one, Chris, because I think last year the NBA won to see how it would work and that play-in sort of tournament format, it gave you something. Maybe it might have been the the best basketball, but it, it gave you something, and I thought it entertained me. And to see them going back to it again this year and to seeing what it has done for a team like the Chicago Bulls, who any other year they're probably worried about next season. But because they have an opportunity to have a chance to make the true playoffs and not just the play-in, do you think the NBA is now getting it right? They like this when they want to keep it going and moving forward? Uh,
3: I think there will be some modifications to it if it exists beyond this year. Uh, The play-in tournament has been – you know, really good. It's been fun. It's also right. kind of slowed the trade deadline down a little bit because there are teams out there like a sacramento and, and others that you know are, are within you know shouting distance of of that playing tournament, and that uh, makes them less likely to kind of tear things down and and make a deal. Uh, I, I don't think you'll have ten teams have an opportunity. I think that'll be whittled down. Uh, I think you'll probably could have see nine teams uh, be in the mix, but only, if that ninth team is within like one game or, or two games of that eighth and final playoff spot, it's not going to be a situation where, you know, the top eight are teams with above 500 records and the ninth seed team is below 500, but they have a chance to get in the playoff to the play. And there'll be some tweaks to it, but I do think some version of it is probably here to stay because it does make the end of the season a lot more compelling. And the NBA has had a problem with that historically, where in the last month of the season, you've got teams tanking, you've got uh, just bad basketball overall. This will at least increase on some, in some level, the the quality of the game in the final months.
2: Last question before I let you go, Chris. Um, I know I was with some friends this weekend, and we we're just talking about basketball, and we we're talking about just the um, you know the NBA's Rookie of the Year. I know Lamelo Ball is going to probably be out for the season, be reevaluated after having the wrist surgery, but. Right now, who, who is your rookie of the year in the NBA?
3: Well, Lamelo, as we sit, is is a clear rookie of the year. The question is going to be, will he be that in a month and a half? Hmm. Uh, Patrick Ewing has the 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 lowest number of games played to win rookie of the year. That was fifty back in nineteen eighty six. Uh, Lamelo will, of course, finish below that if he's done for the season. But the competition is not great. I mean, Anthony Edwards has had a, a solid year with Minnesota, but you can certainly argue that there's a lot of empty calories there for a bad Minnesota team. Uh, James Wiseman's had his moments. Tyrese Halliburton has had his moments. I think voters, and I'm one of them, are going to have to decide if, you know, kind of the way LaMelo played for 41 games uh, carries more value than the way other players played for 60 or 70 games or whatever they finish with at the end of the season. I I put a lot of value in players that impact winning. And there's no Mm -hmm. question LaMelo impacted winning in his uh, 41 games uh, with the Charlotte Hornets. And if you look around, no, none of the other guys did. I mean, uh, the teams, the players we're talking about, the teams that they're on, you know, not very good um, in in general. So uh, I I lean towards LaMelo regardless of if he's out for the season. But, you know, it's a very fluid situation. You could see Anthony Evers go on the kind of care that, you know, kind of forces you to vote for him. Same thing with Halliburton. If the Kings can get back in the playoff mix, uh, there's there's a lot of variables still in play there.
2: Yeah, but this is a, a real time. This is why we call it: live radio, live television, Chris. Because as we've been speaking, the uh, Clippers have made that deal for um, Rajan Rondo. They give up the uh, they give up Lou Williams. So Williams for Rondo. Um, I guess in two second round picks. Just your uh, your live reaction and thoughts on the trade.
3: I had no surprise that the Clippers found a playmaker. It was priority number one for them. You know, over the last uh, few days. Uh, Williams could be an interesting name in the buyout market Um, Mm -hmm. if he's not rerouted uh, in a trade, which we're getting uh, damn close to the end of the deadline. uh, You could see Williams bought out, and look, he's a former six Man of the Year winner who can score. So there will be a market for Lou Williams as a buyout candidate if the Hawks part ways with him.
2: Well, I guess there's going to be a lot to talk about on the uh, Crossover podcast with you and Howard Beck, so make sure you all listen to that, man. Appreciate the time, Chris. You got it, no problem. That's Chris Mannix, senior writer for Sports Illustrated at SI Chris Mannix on Twitter and the ho- co-host with Howard Beck of the Crossover podcast and just like that Rondo is a Clipper TJ uh, really quickly your your thoughts
1: I mean just like we spoke about earlier <laughs> it's, you know we we needed that 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 playmaker in right. there we had, we're a team without a true playmaker.
2: So humble you are. The thing, well, you know, Kirk, I'm
1: trying. You know, he's it's so just. humble. It bro.
2: depends on what like, day gotta you get me. Really. i will be smiling. I'd be jumping up and down. Like, hey, you want, know, I, we gotta by I, the by I, way, guys,
0: I'm just here for Lou Williams to Atlanta jokes. Oh, oh yeah.
1: Well, this is
0: where I was going go
1: yeah, to go to hey, Come on, <laughs> people. Lou Williams, Williams, baby. Lou yeah. Williams claimed a few weeks ago that if he were traded, he was going to retire from the NBA, and now he's from Atlanta. Right. He gets to go back home. Magic City's kitchen is probably going nuts right now. Going nuts right now. Remember they tweeted us, send Ooh. us some wings, Magic City yeah, Kitchen. Magic and City, it's a celebratory Magic City thing. should have Lou Will Appreciation Night like today. <laughs> yeah, Lou I want Will. those lemon pepper. If like, they could get those in a FedEx package to yeah. us in 24 hours, get them. But good. yeah, man, as as a as a Clipper fan, like I love Lou Will. Right. You know, you're sad to see him go, but it fills a need that was definitely we, yeah. we had that need, and now it's filled.
2: gonna be a fun playoffs now, right? Yeah. Rajon Rondo now, a fun playoffs. Crazy Montrez Harold goes over to the Lakers, yeah, Rondo. and then yeah. Rondo crosses. And, and like and I said, Kirk, earlier, just Clippers. think
1: about this. The chances are, okay, slim, whatever. But if Rajon Rondo were to win another ring with the Clippers of all teams, I think that definitely solidifies himself as that Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, he ties but himself with LeBron, right? Three, three teams, yeah. Three, three, three championships, three different franchises.
1: But you win a championship, you win that chip with the Clippers. Mm. That's a whole nother thing right there.
2: All right. We'll see. We will see cuz I don't know. I I'm, I'm trying to figure this all out. Yeah. I want people to people to chime in on yeah, this. Smarter people Rich than me Rondo wins can talk a championship. about championship. Okay. 844 204 Rich 844 204 More Rich Eisen Show. Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich.
0: This is the Rich Eisen Show.
2: Show. Welcome in. Welcome back, I should say, to the Rich Eisen Show. Kirk Morrison filling in for Rich as he finishes up a little bit of vacay. Uh, Ryan Leaf will be back in the seat tomorrow, um, and then Rich will be back on Monday. But. I'm always having fun with the guys. There's always Brock yeah. Del Tufo, TJ, who is just excited about what's going on with the Clippers. <laughs> I might be the only one.
1: I mean, Twitter is kind of 50-50 yeah, yeah. right yeah, now. Oh, really? What are they saying what about
2: it? Are they, it? they mad? Uh,
1: hey, uh, Twitter, first of all, Twitter is a place where angry people go, so right. they're going to be mad about anything. So
2: yeah. I'm just kind of um, laughing. at If Rajon Rondo is able to win a championship, like which ceremony does he go to? Because he still hasn't really went to the Lakers ceremony yet. You know what I mean? So he may have a banner – for both teams in the <laughs> Staples Center. Think about that. Like, I'm just, like, kind of going to. Man,
0: you guys talked about it, but if Rondo wins a championship with the Clippers, this Clipper Famer. team, a Hall of Famer yeah. Lock, yeah, the two most storied franchise and the Clippers? <laughs> yeah, the I
2: mean? Clippers? <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Like, similar, I mean, LeBron is in a, obviously, a, uh, kind of his own world, but. Yeah. when he won in cleveland it was kind of similar when he went with the lakers you're like okay storied franchise yeah like, of course he, he like kind of just checked that win. one off the list yeah. miami had won a championship before but still he checked that off the list yeah. but then you think about the cleveland cavaliers one you're like all right all right you, you got one so rajon rondo can win one with the clippers and actually have back-to-back championships that's 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 uh that's unreal right there man that would be something Ooh, yeah good good um I had a couple things for you guys, too, man. So, I know we've been telling a lot of stories. So, I retired. I don't know if I retired from the NFL. You Are you officially kinda,
0: retired? Did you file yeah. your
2: paperwork? I never. There is no paperwork that you truly file. Really? You know because what that's all we mean? ever it's heard so, from, like,
0: Brett Favre and all these yeah. guys. They haven't know, filed their retirement it's papers. That's all for
2: show. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair.
2: Like, you're retired. Like, when <laughs> a team doesn't pick you up or you don't sign with a team, <laughs> you're just retired. You know what I mean? Like, some guys get that, you know – that that ceremony or that press conference. Other guys like myself, like I didn't get that. I mean, literally, um, I worked out for a couple teams in 2013 and me and my wife had the conversation, right? The conversation which some players may have come up this summer. Do you want to play football? Do you need to play football? I was like, golly, I want to play football. Did I need to play football? Probably not necessarily. And I was like, okay, you know what? I do want to get into what I've always loved to do. And I was a broadcaster. in college, I broadcasted my first football game as a color analyst. all right so i'm I'm fully in college, and yet I'm working with the local station down there in San Diego. And now that I realize it, as I'm older, I was some free labor for them, right? Because huh, they couldn't absolutely, pay me, right. So it was like I was interning, I'm doing all this free labor. I mean, that's a whole other Twitter discussion if we want to get <laughs> right. For another day. Oh, boy. For another day. <laughs> it did give me a taste of broadcast and a taste of television and radio. And I couldn't, I said, you know what? This is what I want to do. I love playing football. And that's always going to be my passion. I'm going to be involved with football some kind of way. But I always wanted to be a broadcaster as well. And so when I finally retired... Uh, or not finally retire. When I just said, you know what, I'm going to go into broadcasting. This is when I met Mike Del Tufo and the guys. I started yep. over at Fox, Fox. when they launched the FS1, the first Fox Sports One network. And I was in LA. I lived in LA, so I lived not too far from the studio. And I was able to, to get my, uh, you know, get my bearings and learn more and more about broadcasting. Even though I had already was doing it. I was hosting a show with Rob Dibble, right? they oh, Dibble. Dibble. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, a wow. radio show as an active player. So I was active in the NFL, my last three seasons in the NFL, and I'm hosting a national syndicated radio show on the weekends, right? So it was fun. We we're in some good markets Oof. and I'm getting, you know, I'm getting a
1: lot my of chops
2: together. And then finally, I went all in, like I said, I joined, you know, FS one and after one year, they say, Would you like to call an NFL game? I'm just like, you darn right I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was the color analyst for my uh, college right at San Diego State. Um, I did that with the great Ted Lightner, who's the, also the Padres uh, play-by-play, formerly used to be. Now he's um, taking another position within the uh, organization. But when I called my first NFL game, I was kind of star starstruck a little bit because they teamed me up with a guy by the name of Dick Stockton. Oh, Yeah, man. I remember this. And... Dick Stockton is a guy who I watched for, listened to. I wouldn't say watch, I listened to. And today it was announced that Dick Stockton is retiring from broadcasting for, in 65 years, 65 years of broadcast. And my first opportunity to call NFL games, he was my play-by-play partner. And so I just wanted to uh, tell him congratulations on, Oof. I guess, a career of some of the biggest moments in sports. Like, he was the voice of the nba oh yeah a lot you know and this was the in nba the 80s, was on man. in the 80s yeah, yeah like it was dick stockton and marv albert mm-hmm. it was those voices and then he had the know uh, the nfl and so you know i remember just sitting down with him at dinner and just thinking like you've covered some of the biggest events in sports like i can't even imagine what it was like you know in the in the old garden right with lakers and celtics or Dr. J and, and, and those matchups with the 76ers and and I just think about just all that knowledge and that's why I mean if you sit down with a play-by-play guy they've got everything for
0: you oh they've because they've been yeah. to
2: the, they've been to the venues they they know you know just they know the city. They can t- they can tell you anywhere to go eat at. By the way. <laughs> right, right. But they have their routine. Any hotel
0: bar,
1: anything. Important stuff.
2: Yeah. So
0: this place has the good stuff.
2: It was, it was it was funny because so here I am. I am so nervous. My first game I'm broadcasting. Who was it? You remember? Yeah, it was uh, Vikings at Rams. Okay. Vikings at Rams. Uh, North Turner was the offensive coordinator I think with the Vikings at the time. Um, this was the Rams were in St. Louis. St. Louis. I was just gonna say it's right this before was they in moved. St. Yeah. Louis, yeah. Yep. And I want to say that my uh, our sideline reporter was Christina Pink. Hey, was, yes. yeah, yes. You know, obviously she's moved on to bigger and better. Yeah. By the way, She's <laughs> left <It's not> everybody <laughs> in her desk. Yeah, she, you yeah. know, I, I didn't follow <laughs> in, her, in her rise, but you know, obviously. But it was still it was fun um, to just get started with a legend like you know Dick Stockton. So I wanted to give him a. Uh, um, you know, a shout out to and say, man, congratulations on an outstanding broadcasting career, calling some of the greatest moments in sports. I think he did a little bit of everything. I want to say he did a little bit of hockey. He's done um, golf, I believe. He's done, because I always has, ask, is there a sport that everything. you haven't done? And they were like, no, I pretty much done it all. You know, so I uh, wanted to thank him for giving me that opportunity to, to, to start with him. And he, I remember we're doing the open. So uh, before the, the broadcast even starts, there's always the open. For me, that is the worst part of the actual broadcast. <laughs> I am scared to death to do an open. <laughs> because you're on is, camera, it, cause you're on camera yeah. and it's live. And now, and I'm like, I can sit here and do a radio show with you guys and live, but I don't see the cameras. No, right. The cameras are on you, but you're, you don't see them. At, so I'm looking, looking around. I'm, yep. you know, yeah. TJ's here. Del Tufo's here. Yep. I got Brock, and yep. I'm talking. <laughs> there, there's a camera that's on me, but I'm not speaking directly to the camera. And it's hard yeah. to get used to that. It's hard to get used And then all of a you're, sudden – also the
0: booth, right? Isn't the camera like right oh, – the right, right, right there. Like right yeah. in your face. <laughs>
2: and so here we are, boom, you know, first game, and I'm like, I'm nervous, and I got these little cards up, and I'm asking, hey, you know, hey, Dick, what are you going to ask me? You know, you know, what is it? Is, is it – you know, you know, Sam Bradford and, and how, you know, the you know the, the Rams are going to be missing him. And I think the quarterback was, uh, I forget who the quarterback was. Uh, like Sean but Manion yeah, or something it may like have been one yeah. of those And so, you know, here I am. I'm jotting all these notes and I'm getting ready. And he literally grabs my card and throws it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic.
2: <laughs> he throw, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> he was like, no, we're not because we were doing a rehearsal first. And he says, no, I want your true Raw live thoughts on this team, Because that's what any. the people want. Yep. don't go there rehearsing it. I'm like, but I need to rehearse, I want to make sure I'm and then boom, right? We did a little rehearsal, and he was, and right when I'm about to talk, he literally just kind of cuts me off, like, you know, just so I couldn't hear it. And then we go on live and say, Here we go, five, four, three, two, one. Hey, I'm Dick Stockton here at the Edward Jones Dome in St. Louis. It's the Vikings versus the Rams I'm here with Kirk Morrison and. And, and here I am, camera. and then boom! Just, <laughs> and, and, you're, like, and you're on a, camera, and yeah. it's just how you feel about the matchup. Hey, here's a team that you know, obviously going into the season, they had Sam Bradford, obviously injury in the off season. I mean, during training camp, and all of a sudden they're scrambling a little bit. We'll see what this offense looks like. On the other side is the Vikings and Adrian Peterson. There's not much you have to think about that. You hand the ball off to Adrian Peterson, and you hope that he can take you to victory. And that was it. And it yeah. just kind of it kind of flows. But man, I was so nervous, but. Oh. Yeah, that, that's how the, uh, the, the a guy like Stockton would, would do the young rookie. You know what I mean? Still man. getting hazed.
0: Hey, now look at you. Yeah, look I mean, at you. Exactly. Hey, you're a, I
2: appreciate it, man. I'm just hold you down, doing now. your <laughs> thing thing. <laughs> well, I got the FCS playoffs coming up. And oh, uh, yeah. a Vanderbilt spring game. I'm kind of excited about oh. that. Yeah.
1: And Brockman Stockton, another Syracuse guy.
2: Stockton is another Syracuse guy. Oh my guy, God! Man. Here we go. These are absolute, series. absolute legend <laughs> in the biz. Dick Scott. Yeah, we got to hear about all the Syracuse guys. Trust me, I, I hear it enough. One of my <laughs> old play-by-play guys, Mike. Cousins Is a Syracuse guy, they'll tell you they're Syracuse. I didn't ask you that, but tell
0: you. <laughs> I didn't bring it up. TJ brought it up. Also, uh, I figured he would. So, we're going to the Elite Eight this weekend. We're going to take down Houston. Book, oh, Book, yeah. Book
2: yeah. Hey, Ryan Leaf will be in tomorrow in, in Rich's chair. I said Rich will be back on Monday. Always a pleasure, man. Uh, I don't know if you're watching Perfect. on Peacock, stay tuned. <laughs> more to come here as well. Uh, special thanks to our guests, Ian Rappaport, Aaron Wilson, Chris Mannix. For Mike Del Tufo, Chris Brockman, TJ Jefferson, Don Bouillard, producer, I'm Kirk Morrison.